lot of people decide that they put all their product over to Amazon and they skip the 3PL because it's a hassle. And it's not a hassle. This is really a cost-effective way of working with your product. And if you're working with a good 3PL, they're going to help you understand this system. Hey everyone, it's Norm Ferrar, aka The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Today, we're discussing maintaining and successful, a successful supply chain uh, in the Q4 season. We'll also be discovering or discussing what's the most efficient route to getting your inventory into Amazon in Q4, which is the better, which is better for Q4 live unload on Amazon partnered carriers and 3PL versus Amazon storage pricing. Welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Okay, like I mentioned, today we're going to be discussing maintaining a successful supply chain in Q4. Our guest is the Chief Logistics Officer in, at Tactical Logistic Solutions. That's a tongue twister. Let's say that again. Our guest is the Chief Logistics Officer at Tactical Logistic Solutions. He's a former, he is a former successful Amazon seller with a passion for solving logistics headaches. He provides services for every step of the supply chain, freight forwarding, customs clearance, 3PL warehousing, and more. And my guest is Ephraim Osh. But before we get to Ephraim, we're going to be talking to a sponsor, or not talking, but playing a sponsor. Facing cash flow challenges with your e-commerce business? Discover Viably, your ultimate financial ally. From real-time sales data integrations to immediate funding access, Viably is here to support you. Plan your growth with their free tool for online sellers and engage with specialists whenever you need. Extend your cash flow with Viably. Uh, let's bring in Ephraim. Hello, sir. Hi. Hey, Norm, how are you? Good, good. Happy birthday. Well, thank you, sir. I, I didn't know I didn't know that I'm such a special guy to be your birthday gift. Yep. For a yep. podcast. <laughs> See, there we go. <laughs> uh, and we'll be seeing you on Wednesday too, which is great. Yeah, looking forward. Then we could have a drink together. There, there we yeah. go. So uh, you know, it's interesting. I've I've seen you in and around the Amazon scene for quite a long time, but it was at one event we really got to sit down and get to know each other, and that was in Mexico. Right, and, and that cool. was nice. I mean, it was. I talk about events a lot. You know, people that are listening probably go, "Oh, here he goes again," but <laughs> it's the importance of getting out to these events. And this one was um, in Mexico City, and it, it was the party afterwards. But even during the the whole event, we got to, you know, know each other quite well, and and the uh, the the each, each other's companies what we do so that's just another reason to do what we do and that's to go to events right. so anybody who hasn't gone to an event please go out there being a entrepreneur is a lonely business it's uh you know especially like if you're a solopreneur it's really tough but especially to be online e-commerce oh gosh yeah and there's so many changes and it doesn't have to be a paid event. You can go to many free uh, meetups in your area. 
So just kind of keep that in mind. Okay, so today we are talking about supply chain and inventory and all this stuff that makes things tip tick. So where do you want to start? Because there's a lot of different areas that we can go down. So I would like to start maybe with if someone has product ready. So it could be in overseas by a supplier yep. or it could be here in the U.S. What's the best practice how to get your products in time, the best way, the fastest way? We're now October 16th. We know that the deadline for Black Friday, Cyber Monday is on November 2nd this year. So how do you make sure that you have your product on time in Amazon so you have a successful Q4 and, and sell out a lot of your products? So that's I would start. I would start with that. Okay. Uh, let's talk about it. How can we do that? How can we sure. achieve it? Right. So I always I always tell um, people that I speak to, and I, I've been in the space since I think 2010, end of 2010, and, and like everything changes over the years. But what I always tell people is once you have your product ready, you have to look at the options. If it's overseas, you look at when could it be here? So there's out there, there's standard vessels, if it's going by sea, there is fast vessels. If it's going by air, there is um, there is uh, regular air cargo. Then there's air express. So air cargo means that they just put them on a flight and it gets here to an airport. And then we go and pick it up and we bring it to your warehouse. Air express is like DHL, FedEx, UPS, where it just goes directly from your supplier's door till your door. Um, and with that's what I always look at is like, when do you need the product by? And that's how you calculate what option mode of shipping you're going to use. Obviously, air is always going to be the most expensive option. So always make sure that you know your profitability from your mm -hmm. product. If you're selling on Amazon, it's one of the most important things is not selling product every day. It's about making money. So look at that part. And if C option works for you, there's a fast C, standard C. Um, for example, a lot of sellers, I think 74% of products sold in the U.S. market is made in China. So the fastest route from China to the U.S. is usually Port of L.A. Um, that's in California. And that on a standard vessel probably takes around 22 to 24 days. If you do a fast vessel, it's less than 20 days. If you do air, it's three days. So that's what I always tell people is like, make sure you have that planned ahead now, not Oh, I shipped it out um, with the standard vessel and the arrival day is November 1st. Don't think it's going to be November 2nd on Amazon. That's not how it works. Stuff come into the port, has to get available. You have to go pick it up. You have to offload it. You have to deliver it to Amazon. So all these things take some time. So always keep that in mind when you plan your shipment to make sure you know when your end of the day is. That's, that's on inventory that's out there. So uh, um, can I interrupt for a second? So the the times that you've been talking about, you also said by the time it gets into Amazon, these expected timelines, uh, especially in Q4, are very different than they are in the first or second right. quarter, right? So what what are you hearing? What is it taking right now from by the time it arrives to get onto the Amazon shelves? So... In California, it's probably the most congested. Like West Coast is probably the most congested, but mm -hmm. East Coast is pretty close to that as well. So there's two options where how you could deliver. If you're using Amazon partner carriers, it takes an average right now of around two to three weeks 
So they might pick it up, let's say, today from your warehouse. Um, and then they'll deliver it to Amazon, let's say, today, tomorrow, in two days. The issue with that is that Amazon just drops their full trailers in the yard. And then Amazon gets to it whenever they decide to get to it. So they just drop a full trailer in Amazon's yard. And then it could take a week, sometimes two weeks, till it actually gets received in. So once it gets received in... Then it goes into FC transfer, it's called, where Amazon distributes around multiple of their um, of their FCs around the country here in the US. So all of that said, FC transfer takes about two to three weeks. Okay. Plus delivering and receiving it takes two, three weeks. It could sometimes look like five to six weeks. So what I what I tell sellers is in Q4, if you have product that you wanted urgently there, you use a third party company so that could be me it could be thousands of other companies that claim they do direct delivery to amazon how we are different and how third-party truckering companies are different than amazon is all the appointments that we get and third-party truckers get are live on loads I mean to say like we have an appointment tomorrow at 10 p.m that means our trucker shows up and amazon has to offload the pallets at 10 p.m tomorrow so automatically they check it in they receive it in so that cuts down the availability to be purchased on Amazon by around two weeks. On yeah, Amazon, just being a truck, an 18-wheeler that's just exactly. being, yeah, parked in the in the yard, you actually have a truck that's getting unloaded the, the second that you're in, well, not the second, but you deliver, it gets unloaded, and you pull out the same day. Right, exactly. So, yeah, sometimes it could take 10 hours, 12 hours to get yeah. out of there, but at least you know your product got... And once Amazon receives it, obviously it's available for purchase on Amazon. It just will show, if you were out of stock, for example, will show, hey, this will be available to ship on, let's say, October 22nd or 25th. So that's the issue where window shoppers, people that come shopping and they see like, oh, this product will only be in stock next week, Monday, next week, Tuesday. Let me look for someone else that sells the same similar product that I could get it tomorrow, right? So that's the point where, especially in Q4, when so many people are buying, and so many people want it right away, you make sure that you plan ahead of time. So I tell stuff, product that's here in the US, plan two weeks ahead. Um, meaning to say like you wanna send something to Amazon, plan right now for two weeks from now. So right now technically is sort of the deadline for you to plan for the November 2nd deadline. So how come your trucks get these, uh, gets the live unload and other, um companies have to drop and go so there is amazon partner carriers so amazon partner carriers means that they are allowed to have their assets on amazon's property i'm not allowed to have my assets on amazon's property meaning to say like i bring a truck that truck cannot stay there so they have to offload it and you leave so anything amazon partner carries that's amazon prime like their own uh prime trucking yeah um it's many different um ltl carriers that deliver to amazon like roadrunner um uh central transport all these companies they are partner carriers with amazon so they could keep their assets there they could leave it there overnight so automatically amazon leaves it in their yard and if they're extremely busy and they're over capacity and they have a lot of deliveries that they do have to do live on loads automatically those trucks stay behind in the yard and it's not checked in it's not received automatically you're not you don't even have the product on amazon to be sold so if you run out of stock that's a huge concern especially in q4 you don't want to lose out on that 
Okay. So now that I've interrupted and we've gone down three different rabbit holes, let's go back to that original question that you're trying to answer. <laughs> right. So now that you have your product ready in China, like I said, you decide which mode of option is the best option. If you're delivering, so there's two options, right? One option is you can bring it to your own warehouse, label it, and then deliver or have Amazon pick it up or a trucking company pick it up. Or you could have everything labeled in China, where a lot of sellers do, especially in Q4. Everything is labeled in China, it comes into the US, and you want to take it directly to the port. What a lot of sellers don't realize that they have to communicate that with their 3PL or their trucking company or their freight forwarder is don't remind yourself on the ETA of the container or the ETA of your shipment, if it's a less container load or a smaller shipment, that, hey, I need to make an appointment in Amazon. Because Amazon right now for us to make appointments for palletized appointments, that means stuff that's on pallets, it's around 10, 7 to 10 days out on most locations um, in California. And for floor load containers, they're at least three weeks out. So if you have a full container that you're, it's floor loaded on the, on the trailer, they're not on pallets. Amazon right now will give you an appointment for three weeks from now. If you use a, like a trucking, like a, any company, not, not, not Amazon. With the, with the issue with that is your shipment arrived and now you're being told, hey, it's going to be delivered in two to three weeks from now. So what I suggest and what we do, and we try to do it always as much as possible, when you know that your product left China, you reach out to whoever is going to take care of the last mile to get into Amazon. Make sure to make an appointment today, two weeks in advance, three weeks in advance. Amazon allows you to make twenty-one appointment 21 days in advance. Utilize that opportunity. So you know when your shipment arrives, let's say today on the 16th, and you made an appointment three weeks ago, and your appointment is on the 18th or the 28th or the 21st, you know you're within that three, four-day period of after arrival. Mm -hmm. Versus if you remind yourself, oh, the ETA is today, let me make an appointment, and ooh, it's not before November 5th. Now you're now you're kind of screwed. Um, your freight forwarder might charge you for storage, or your 3PL might cost you more money. Um, if you want to keep it in the container, there could be penalties involved. So I always tell people, especially in Q4, always plan ahead. Once you know your product left and it's labeled, make sure to make an appointment. That's for product that's overseas. Anything that's you have a manufacturer here in the U.S. or your product is sitting here in the U.S., um, I would suggest right now, especially in Q4, plan two weeks in advance. All your appointments, even pal, just plan two weeks in advance. Be better safe than sorry later that you screwed up and you could have had a much better season. You could have moved much more product um and make sure to plan that two weeks in advance so that would be that topic my advice on what's the most efficient route getting your inventory into amazon and when that is you know there's i've, I've heard so many questions or, or i've had so many questions about freight forwarding and freight forwarders and finding a good one uh you know just going to one that's online compared to and giving you an instant quote and hidden charges what are what are some things that a seller can look for especially if they're new at this um to get around uh we'll talk about hidden charges a little bit later but you know how can they what are some questions that they can ask to make sure that they have a good experience and they're not being overcharged and they're not getting hit with extra charges later on right so i have two suggestions number one is what a lot of people do they always quote with two companies so they get an idea um 
what the price is. Some of them have longer relationships. They know they're not going to be taking advantage or stuff like that. That's fine. But if you feel like you want to make sure you're always on top of your game. Um, I remember I met uh, our client today, but back in Mexico City, actually, when we met, um, they were there, pretty large company. And they're telling me that they're getting frustrated with their freight forwarder because they're starting to hear that the pricing dropped. That's one of the time when the pricing started dropping yep. from the crazy high rates. And like, they, what are the rates right now? So I asked him, like, can you tell me what you're paying right now? So he gave me like a number, I think it was $10,000 a container. And I said, like, I'm sorry, but the market rate right now is around six, six and a half. That was that time. Right now it's way less. Um, and that's the problem with a lot of times people have long relationships. They don't realize that maybe that company is taking advantage of you always if you want to double check, just take a second quote just to get a, an idea of what the pricing is out there. That's one option. Second option is, especially us in the Amazon community, we're like a family. There's always people out there helping each other out. There's Facebook groups. There's WhatsApp groups. There's um, events. There's And you always meet people that you know and you ask questions. Ask your friend like, hey, you you have a private label brand. You import product as well. What are you paying these days? Am I, look at my invoice. Do you think that makes sense? Um, that's just on basic knowledge before you get a quote is where you could basically secure yourself to make sure that your freight forwarder is charging you charges in line. Um, that would be my basic advice on that. Okay. Very good. Now let's just talk. This isn't something I was going to ask, but it just, the last question just kind of tweaks my memory, but hidden charges. It happens. I get questions about it what type of hidden charges are could somebody be charged now i'm not talking about you know there's some charges there's some companies that put pretty much everything included others it's like nickel and dime uh, i've i've seen some horror stories but uh what are some hidden charges that they might want to look out for so yeah the best way is you ask your quote is it an all-in charge? Yeah, that's very important. When somebody quotes your all-in charge, you double check. Is it all-in? What I've seen in the past from different people, there's the actual delivery cost, right? There's an all-in charge, but then there's accessorials, right? For example, on containers, there's chassis, um, waiting time, all those things. And sometimes you could get cheated by is like, hey, I gave you an all-in price, yeah, but they'll tell you this is just from point A to point B, but we didn't include all the accessorials. What comes aside if things happen like it's not guaranteed it will happen but it might happen so always make sure if you get an all-in quote to make sure that this includes all accessorials that's 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 number one um if you're getting an itemized list just look it over and make sure um what i try to tell people is try to get maybe an all-in maybe an all-in course basically like you could have the delivery then there's pre-pull there's a terminal charges that charge all these different charges Try to make sure and ask them maybe, can you give me an all-in price so it's more um, that you have a better control over it? Because, like, for me, like, how we quote most of the time is we try to put in, there's 15 charges. We try to make it into two, three charges. So it's easy for the eye to know. We include all these accessorials built in if it's needed. And if there's any additional, we'll let you know on that. But that's the best way how to go about it because a lot of sellers are not in the logistics business that don't know a lot. And this is what my freight forwarder said. This is the charges. How do you know what all these things is? Um, so that's important for someone that wants to make it easy. Just ask your freight forwarder. I need an all-in charge. Give it to me as is. 
all in cost. Maybe maybe it'll cost you fifty dollars more, but all you know is that you're not giving an open checkbook to your freight forwarder to right. be able to take advantage and give you a bunch of hidden fees where yeah, this was pre-pulled and then it was delivered to a different port and then there was so many hours waiting time and then that you have to ask them for proof. Just give me your all-in rate. Sometimes we're lucky. We make a little, like a few dollars extra, but sometimes we're not so lucky something happened, but at least you know as a customer, you know that this is the price you're paying and this is what you're you're going for. You talked, just touched on cost and we all know the COVID costs were crazy. I, what was the highest price you ever heard of? Thirty-one thousand was my high. wow. That beats me. I yeah. <laughs> I I was in around the twenty-seven, and I thought that was going crazy. But thirty-one thousand. That was the that. That was like, like I told the customer, do not book it. This is just like, this is just robbery on a next level. It was for a fast vessel. Yeah. And there was no availability um, on that date that they wanted to sail. And I I, I told him like, I'm sorry, but I just can't digest you confirming something for thirty-one thousand. I just had such a hard time with it. You know what it's like? It's like our gas prices. So in <laughs> Canada, we're around seven, seven and a half dollars right. a gallon right now. So uh, because, uh, you know, we're in liters, so it's a whole other ball game. Right. But, you know, they, they put those gas prices up and they bring them down and they don't bring them down quite to what they were before. Right. But it was like, wow, we're getting such a deal now. And then they spike them again and then bring them down a little bit higher, just above oh drives me crazy <laughs> but uh yeah i was at 27 the average i think back then was around 23 ish and yeah. now whereabouts are we now it's under 2000 1700 1600 1800 somewhere there back to the olden days back to the old yeah yeah enough screaming and and they started to bring the prices down or they find a different country <laughs> and did you find that happen when all this was going on and the craziness was happening, it was mostly out of China, right? Right. So did you find? I mean, that everyone got affected, but but it was more. It was mainly China. China yeah. brought up the rates, and China brought it actually down. Okay. All right. We are, we are at the bottom of the hour, and so if you're new to listening to this, I see there's a bunch of people listening right now live. Um, if you're new to the podcast, we have a giveaway at the uh, end of the podcast at the top of the hour. It's called the Wheel of Kelsey. If you're interested in winning, it's hashtag Wheel of Kelsey. Tag two people. You get a second entry. And why don't we talk about the giveaway today? What are we giving away, Ephraim? We're giving away two free months of storage at R3PL. Okay, very good. So that's two free months of storage, and we're gonna tie in because it's my birthday. Uh, we'll tie. We'll we'll provide a, a tariff terminator uh, from Honu, and we'll throw in a uh, let's see, a, a one of our mugs. Hopefully, we're not down to the end of our mugs, but if we have mugs, we'll throw that in as well. Okay, so that's what we're doing today. And oh, by the way, so just in case you don't know what uh, the Tariff Terminator is and Ephraim, you'll know this. Uh, so many people don't have the right HTS codes. So all that we do is make sure that you get the right HTS code. Okay. And that's what we'll do. 80% of Amazon sellers don't have the right HTS. And that's uh, one of the services that Hono provides. Okay. So now let's go to a word from our sponsor. All right. Uh, that will be you. Uh, oh, is this a live read? 
dang. Live reads always get under me. Hold, just give me a sec here. I gotta, gotta take some pills or something to calm my nerves. <laughs> okay, here we go. Live read, and this is going out to seller basics. Okay, hey Amazon sellers, ever faced account suspensions, ASIN hiccups, or IP headaches? Introducing Seller Basics, your Amazon account guardian. With just 20, uh, 29, Paul would kill me for that. With just a $99 per month subscription, uh, Seller Basics offers a dedicated team to shield your business from these challenges. Plus, this membership offers free legal consultation from seasoned e-commerce attorneys. No long-term contracts, cancel with just a month's notice view seller basics at your amazon uh, view seller basics as your amazon accounts health plan check it out at sellerbasics.com and by the way i got to read this as a disclaimer seller basics isn't an insurer or, or law firm consultations come from independent firms results can vary and membership uh, needed before events leading to claims and terms apply all right now let's get back to the podcast how's that Whew. okay good job <laughs> there we go now i gotta go back to where we were now let's talk about um inventory we're in Q4. We've probably had to figure this out in around July, but really, I, I think that's that's the real case is that we sure. should have figured out how much inventory that we needed in Amazon uh, right now. But how much inventory do you see? So what I say is basically looking over your trends from yep. the whole year, right? Obviously Q4, <clears throat> some of them do 10X, 5X, 6X per day so keep that in mind based on last year how much how much more did i do in q4 versus all year round and that's how you plan the inventory right so let's say if you do 10x from november 15th till december 10th right so you have around 25 days where you're doing 10 times more than you do an average day all year round um then basically try to prepare and make sure that you're sending into amazon approximately that amount of product because you're preparing now maybe three months worth of goods versus what you're selling all year round so let's say you're preparing three months times august sales because you're in q4 and you move 10 or five times whatever your number is approximately that's what i always tell and the reason why i tell is like try to make sure because i've seen a lot of times sellers especially in the beginner stages where like they have everything labeled they send everything into amazon do you know if you're going to sell it in the first month, two months, three months? They have no idea. What happens when you do that is, first of all, your inventory performance index gets messed up. So Amazon doesn't see that sales velocity. You're sitting with product for too long. Your storage fees go through the roof, especially in Q4. Um, Amazon charges <clears throat> almost three times, as, I mean, way more than three times. I mean, like uh, I made a calculation here. It's about $246 for an average pallet. I just took an average pallet. You're paying $246 a month in Q4 for an average pallet. An average pallet is 48 by 40. By, I've made it by the average of 68 inches high. 
Amazon allows till 72. Amazon goes by cubic feet, but just for the visuals, what I try to explain to people is like, you take an average pallet and you put it in your 3PL or you put it into your own warehouse, what does it cost you? It does not cost you 246,000 a month right. to pay for storage. But that's what Amazon charges. So now if you're sending your product where you're not selling, it's a brand new SKU, but it's Q4. So I'm gonna send everything in I have because like, let me gamble it, let me try it. but you don't realize that you really might hurt yourself in the long run by killing your profitability because the storage is going to eat up your profit. Um, killing your IP, IPI, that means you might have inventory limits moving forward. Um, and then you have to do removal orders where removal orders is a mess. It's expensive. It's around 4 to 5% of removal orders come damaged because it goes in transit. Amazon treats it like we all know uh, how really n nicely they could treat removal orders. I'm sure you've seen these boxes, how they come in. Um, all messed up, just a, a pure mess. So keep that in mind is when you actually send them product, if it's a new SKU, again, obviously send more than you would send in August or in a July, send more. But don't send just everything that you import. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't want to pay for 3PL. I don't want to have, uh, I don't want to keep stuff in my garage or my warehouse. Uh, I just want everything on Amazon. Just do that strategically because in the long run, it could really hurt your business. Um, not only because you might have 10 best-selling SKUs and then you have two dead SKUs and these two dead SKUs could really affect your profitability on the 10 good ones. It could affect your um, inventory performance index on the 10 good ones. So why affect that without having a plan of action? So that's basically how I would say, I mean, there's a lot of people that I'm sure you, I'm sure you know more than me um, and especially the people on the PPC um, business where they could give you really a, an idea of how many units exactly you need to send. There's tools out that they can help you with that, with how to plan these things properly. But just keep that in mind is sending everything to Amazon not always works out well. That uh, I think is the first time I've had anybody on the podcast uh, say, how much it would cost for a pallet. So if you think of it, 240, so it's 250 bucks. I, I'm curious. Okay, so at a warehouse, what would be the top? If you take the average warehouse, what would be, or 3PL, what would be the average that somebody would pay? Just an average. It's around, the market is around 22 to 24 max. Okay, so let's get this straight. So you could pay $250 and you might have one, you might have two, you might have how many, wh whatever it is. And you might not even need these. You could work out a, a system with your 3PL where you could be bringing the product in on a regular basis on a much smaller scale and paying 20 to 25 bucks. Or you can pay 250 bucks. Right. Well, which one would you choose? I'm just curious. I would choose to pay the cheaper one. Obviously, obviously, if you have good selling product, this is yeah. the cost of Amazon a Q4. There's nothing you could do about it. Put that in part of your calculations on your profitability, how much you charge per product. But if you're starting out now yeah. or you are an advanced seller, but you have new SKUs that you just believe that, hey, mm -hmm. I have 10 great selling SKUs. These two are just going to rock. Don't go aggressively like that day one it could come back to bite you especially with these with these prices yeah we we talk about uh you, you know where you can save just a nickel here or a dime there and that's just one thing and a lot of people decide that they put all their product 
over to Amazon and they skip the 3PL because it's a hassle. And it's not a hassle. This is really a cost-effective way of working with your product. And if you're working with a good 3PL, they're going to help you understand this system and get it where it's it's fine-tuned. But uh, the other part that I, I have, and this is along the same lines, is just sending over too much inf- uh, inventory over to Amazon and <clears throat> excuse me, and incurring these costs uh, or running out of inventory. I was just on the phone just before I came on and we have a, it, he's listening by the way, which is kind of funny, but we were just talking about an inventory strategy where you can negotiate with your supplier back in China. Um, you can get them to put um, the, the next order into their warehouse. Okay. This is in China. So the manufacturer produces the product and they have, uh, it, it might be 10%, it might be 20%. Some people still may have to pay 30, but if you've got um, a good relationship, sometimes it's 10 or 20% and then you get terms. And so one of the ways that we tell people to do it is, okay, you work with a 3PL, you put a portion over to Amazon with a trigger. There's an alarm when all of a sudden you're getting to a point where your 3PL has to ship over again. While that's happening, now you're arranging for your uh, the product over in China to be sent over either by sea or a small portion of it, uh, you know, by air, just to cover off in case you're going to go out of stock. And then the order gets triggered into the system and goes into production with your manufacturer. So it's kind of, you know, a circle of life. And we found that to be very effective. I don't know if you have something similar, uh, but you know, that's one of the things that we recommend to our clients. Right. I I tell mostly people is, is have around an Amazon 30 to 60 days max of inventory. Um, And then have around 30 days in your 3PL and then 30 days on the water. So it's around four to five months, I would say, of inventory, approximately rotating between Amazon 3PL and what's on the water coming in. So you're trying to utilize everyone in the best way possible. You're not paying too much for your 3PL. You're not paying too much for Amazon. And at the same time, you have stuff on the water. That's the regular process to have that way. So especially now, things are not congested. There's no delays overall. So to keep that system running, is you always need to have at least 30 days of inventory in right. your 3PL sitting at any given day, any given day. Because just in case you wake up tomorrow morning and boom, sales picked up, something happened really, like your ads worked well, your campaign worked well, you had some, someone externally find your product and promote it to his audience, whatever the story is, you don't want to see yourself running out of stock because that could be a really some sort of death sentence really to your listing um, to build that back up and spend all that PPC again to build it back up where it was. So yeah. Um, I would say it's like th- like that, two, one to two months in Amazon, at least one month or maybe even two in the 3PL, and then around 30 days on the water. So you have around four to five months worth of inventory in your somewhere in your possession. But what about if you have too much inventory and you're either let's let's just say sending it over to Amazon. You've got the ability to do that. What are some of the consequences? It's, you mean like oversending product? Yeah. So the first thing is that you're going to have to do a removal order, right? Because Amazon is going to start limiting your inventory 
limits because your IPI is not good. You don't have the sales velocity where you sell out your product. Amazon sees that as a problem. Amazon does not want to be your storage facility. They have no interest in that. They're the distribution. They want something to come in and go out. Come in and go out. That's where they're they're here for you. Um, they don't want to be your storage facility. They just announced uh, a newer version of their like 3PL so-called business. I think it's called Upstream, where um, you could send product there and Amazon replenish automatically. Um, that's something that's a newer thing for lower storage costs, but their FBA is not there to be a storage facility. So the removal orders is going to cost you a lot of money to remove it. Your product will get damaged in somewhat, somewhat way. It's 3%, 5%, 4% we see on average mm -hmm. that get damaged. Um, paying for the removal orders and basically locking up your cash by overpaying on storage in Amazon and not having it sold, that affects your whole business entirely where it really kills your profitability. So I would say these are the three main points. It's profitability, removal costs, and basically risking your product of getting damaged and having to throw it out. Okay. Okay. So I think we could probably go over to some of the questions. Thank you. All right. Uh, okay, so our first question uh, is from Simon, and I think because of the tariff terminator that you were talking about, is there a difference between HS and HTS codes? If so, what is the difference? You want me to take that, or do you want to take that? You can take it. Okay, it's a huge difference. So uh, when products come into the U.S., and they're not properly, um, if they don't have a proper um, HTS code, it's a tariff code. Uh, you could be ending up paying quite a bit of money. A HS codes are uh, the U.S. except HTS codes, not HS codes. And understanding the codes are very different. And I'll give you just a quick example. So there were signs that were coming in from China, and they had they were quarantine signs actually, aluminum quarantine signs, and. They were paying, I think it was 17.5 plus 25% Trump tax. Uh, Afalabi took a look at it and he did his thing and he got it down to 7.5% zero Trump tax because it was an advertisement and all legit. Like you, when you, when you take a look at these HTS codes, um, you can't fool around with them. I'll give you another example. For me, I, br I brought in soap and I had natural soap. I was paying 17%. And this is years ago. I was paying 17%. And Afalabi, again, took a look at it. And he said, uh, why are you paying so much? He says, why don't you just call it um, Castile soap? It's olive oil based, right? I said, yeah. So now zero. It's 0%. He saved me 17% on my uh, cost of goods. So this is the importance of uh, making sure that you have these harmonized uh, tariff codes proper. And that it's 80%. 80% of Amazon sellers are, are just throwing their money away uh, on wrong codes. And a lot of the Chinese, like when they're taking a look at the codes, uh, you know, they're using an HS code, not an HTS code, causing a problem. Anything to add to that? I would just add one thing. Like after you do all your research and you're unfortunately not lucky that you can get your uh, 
let's say wherever route you're going to go, you have that 25% Trump tower in your face and you can't get rid of it. Um, what I've done with um, a couple of people that I know is it's not the best option, but you could do DDP. That means deliveries, duties paid, where basically there's a China entity importing your product and we have saved thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a new thing. DDP is for mm -hmm. years old. But for people that have that 25% Trump tariff and they have really expensive product, it might be a good route for them. It's not the best route, obviously, because you're not the consignee on the shipment. It's not a, your name. It's a, some entity that's importing it, but it's a term, valid term that's out there for years. Um, but that's only, I would only suggest that if you have no other way around it. I mean, to say like wherever, wherever you want to go to, you still have that high duties. Um, that would probably lower your cost by a lot. And the other thing is, and I'll stress this, don't lie. If you get caught in a lie, and if you hear what I'm saying right now about saving money and going back and changing it, if it's not legit, and even if you're doing it right now and it's not legit, uh, and you haven't changed the HTS code, if it's not a legit code and you're trying to save money, the government, if they find out can go back the entire life of your product. It's not like they'll go back a year. <laughs> it's the entire life. And you'll end up paying some penalties and some like huge penalties. It's not worth it. Believe me, it's not worth it. Yeah. Okay. Definitely playing with fire. It def definitely. Okay. Next. All right. This one is from Brian. Uh, if we wanted to utilize the live unload, what is the best option to get a warehouse within the range your trucks will deliver to? So if they're full truckloads, it doesn't matter wherever you are, um, that's easy. Even if it's like 10, 12, or maybe 15 pallets, um, it's already pays to use that as a full truck because LTL would be very expensive. Um, if you're anywhere near our facilities, um, we could definitely arrange... Um, to bring it to our warehouse, and then we'll consolidate it with other customers to get it into Amazon. We do a lot of consolidation with a bunch of people that have like one or two or three pallets at a time. We'll just consolidate it to one truck and then send it into Amazon. And let's say they're not around uh, your center. Let's just say that it's an average seller out there. Um, would you recommend just a, a UPS ground service to and just hand bomb uh, a bunch of uh, products? It's expensive. UPS is it's going to be Amazon partner carriers are the cheapest. Yep. A third party truck like me or others are in the middle. UPS will always be the higher, more expensive. So it really depends what your profit are on the product. Um, UPS is the second to quickest option. So it would be third party, UPS, and then Amazon partner carriers on timelines. Sometimes UPS, you might be lucky depending which location. But yeah, definitely um, it's. Uh, UPS is not always the best option, but it's definitely a better option than partner carries, especially in Q4. Okay. All right. Uh, next, last question, I guess. Okay. Last one is from Simon. Uh, managing inventory of FBA is a black art. FBA storage is 10 times the cost of a 3PL. Is it better to drip feed into FBA, uh, say, send a smaller uh, amount of inventory every week? I would say yes. Most of people that are customers that I work with, most of them do around one or two shipments a week and they drip feed. They just drip feed every single week consistently. Um, to my knowledge, from what I've spoken to them many times, that it's way, way cheaper than just 
dumping a whole bunch of product into FBA and then hoping that it's going to sell in two, three, four months where you're paying a lot of money for FBA fees. Yeah. And uh, I, I've, I've done this a lot. And what you have to be careful of is make sure that they actually get in. Uh, product can go missing, especially if you do it that way. When you do it on a regular, you know, let's say a weekly or every other week, if you're not tracking it and you're not sure, you could be missing product. So just make sure that you do check to make sure that it gets received properly. Um, okay. I think that is it. Anything else to say? I think that's it. I think we, we covered it. A, we covered it. I think we, we covered it. Q4. Like you said, we should have planned this in July, but it's never too late. You can still take some good tips out of this conversation where you can utilize still for Absolutely. this year to have a successful Q4. Okay. Very good. Contact information, Ephraim. The best way to reach me is by email or if you uh, Ephraim at tactical logistic without the S at the end.com, or you could go on our website, tactical logistic.com contact us. That contact us page comes directly into my inbox. All right. Very good. And uh, if you are interested in our giveaway today, it's hashtag Willa Kelsey tag two people. And before we get to that, I get another live read today. Woohoo. Okay. So here we go. And I even have, the product if you are not listening on a podcast and you're watching visually i've got a friend of mine published a book uh called start scale exit repeat he published it one week ago it is now uh it was it was it debuted number one for e-commerce last week it picked up number one i guess in three other categories and now it's number one in startup businesses so this book uh, by Colin Campbell, Start, Scale, Exit, Repeat. He's gone through 10 years of his life. The guy's made hundreds of millions. He's lost hundreds of millions. Uh, at 28, by the way, he lost 100 some odd million dollars in one venture. But anyways, what he's done with this is he didn't let a loss set him back. He was resilient. And this book talks about how he's done it. And it's actually a reference guide for uh, entrepreneurs. He breaks it up into four different chapters. And what I like about each one of the chapters is he starts off with start. It, he, he's got 52 different chapters. The story, the people, the money, and the systems you'll need to start. And then he does the exact same thing in scale. And then he does the same thing with repeat. So right through to um, exit repeat, it's story, people, money, and systems. It's all here in this book. If you don't think you're an entrepreneur, you are. And this is a great reference guide uh, for anybody who's either starting out in Amazon or if you're a seasoned entrepreneur. I got an advanced copy. I read it. And Colin knows he's a very good friend of mine. If this sucked, I would have told him. If there's something in there I didn't like, I would have told him. Uh, this is one of the best books I've read. It's it's actually made for ADHD entrepreneurs. I can tell you that because it's broken into smaller paragraphs. It's got call outs. It's got quotes. It's it's 
It's very, very good. Um, all I can tell you is if you're an entrepreneur to check it out, it is available on Amazon. I don't know if the hard copies are still available. I know he's got 2000 more copies coming in um, at the end of October, but you can get the Kindle and now you can get it on Audible. And I think Kelsey's going to put the uh, link there. So that's it. Um, so you can check out uh, Start, Scale, Exit, Repeat on Amazon today. That's that for that. Okay, now we're back. Now we can have the uh, the uh, Wheel of Kelsey. It's time for the Wheel of Kelsey. All right. Who's going to be the lucky winner today? We do this every single podcast. Give it a spin. If you are the winner, please email me, k at lunchwithnorm.com. It looks like Simon's getting another mug. Congratulations, Simon. Simon's gets another mug. And two months uh, of storage and a Terra Terminator. So there we go. Big, big prize for Simon today. Congratulations. Please email me, k at lunchwithnorm.com. He also mentioned that there's another good uh, book out there, and it is called The Diary of a CEO, The 33 Laws of Business and Life. I'll have to check that one out. Okay, Ephraim, thank you. Thank you. We've talked about this a long time. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So make sure, this is the most important part of anything, make sure you say hi to your wife for me. I will. Well, you'll probably see her on Wednesday. I'm going to bring her along. All right. Fantastic. All right, Ephraim. We will see you later. Want more great information? Don't forget to subscribe by clicking here. Also, if you want to check out our latest podcast, click over here. Lunch with the, lunch with the, lunch with the.